Well, good morning and welcome to Community Church. It's so great to be back in the house together. This is the first of our summer services. And uh, how many of you are glad to be in church today? All right. Well, we are going to worship God. And as we are worshiping Him, we're not fulfilling a religious duty. We are not satisfying an emotional, guilt-driven need. Can I get an amen? amen? We are doing several things, but the first of which is we are giving honor to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. We are, we are attempting to align this part of the earth with heaven to say, Lord, we are loyal to your kingdom. We are loyal to your name. We are loyal and devoted to your righteousness. We need to engage the kingdom of heaven. I want you to think about something. We're so used to this being a, you know, an on and off again thing where we come in and, oh, you know, oh, there's something going on. What if this was parliament? What if this was the Congress of the United States? What if we were lawmakers and when we came in, our participation determined the outcomes of the world around us? We decided the laws. We decided policy. We decided, you know, whether our military was going to defend the borders of our nation. This is actually what church is about. Church is a governmental expression that brings to bear on earth the armies of heaven, the government of heaven, the will of the Father in heaven is imposed on the earth only in as much as the people of God believe, only in as much as the people of God pray, only in as much as the people of God stand to declare and take their place and put their feet on the ground and say the kingdom of God starts here. We are engaging... We are engaging to bring the rule of the realm of heaven into the earth. This is not for sentimental purposes. We are the vehicle. Your faith is the equity of the government of God on earth. This is not ceremonial. This determines the course of the nations of the earth. What we do this morning. So Father, we say, God... Let your kingdom come. Holy one, we say, we want your kingdom to come. Let it come on earth. Just as it is in heaven. Let's do this. Let's just lean in, church. Let's let's lean in. Listen, if you've ever tried to get somewhere with a family, with a bunch of kids, and you thought... We need to be on the road by 8 o'clock, maybe like coming to church this morning. But you know, something happens right at that critical moment and nothing comes together. And there's, then there's that delay and all of a sudden somebody's got to go to the potty. And then all of a sudden spilt something on your collar and you got to go change shirts. And, and on and on it goes. And sometimes you're delayed from starting that journey for Anywhere from five minutes to an hour to two hours. Well, let me tell you, there is a demonic strategy to keep the church from entering its actual legislative purpose. We are the government of God on the earth. 
And, and when we enter into that place, Parliament sits and the orders of the king begin to come down to his people and out of our mouths begin to come the edicts and the decrees and the statements of what God wants to bring to the church. But the enemy is here to distract us, to make it about anything but what we're supposed to be doing. So I want to declare right now, I break off of you every distraction. I break off of you every demonic assignment. I break off of you in the name of Jesus every defilement, every defilement emotionally or spiritually, every mental distraction. And I say in Jesus' name, come into the domain of your purpose as a son and daughter of the Most High. I say to you in Jesus' name, let the knowledge of your destiny begin to overwhelm you and come and sit at the table boldly this morning. You are sons and daughters of the eternal kingdom of God. Boldly enter in. When we think of prophecy, there's, there's two types of people in the room. There always is. There's the people that are prepared to prophesy. They're the people that do prophesy. And there's the ones that just wait for a prophetic word. But Moses was caught up with this. When they came and they said, I heard people prophesying who weren't in the leadership. He said, hey, 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 wait a minute. I would that all the people were prophets. And he said that because he understood that the heart of God was that he, the head, the organism, the central force of the kingdom would start in heaven, but that his body would always be on the earth and that his body would always carry out the desire of the headship of Christ and the Father in heaven. But it's not going to happen on earth unless we do it. But we... We want God to do it. We want God to speak. We say, God, you speak. And God say, no, you are my body. You are my body. I want you to prophesy. The advance of the kingdom does not rest upon what I do. It rests upon what you do. It rests upon the level of your faith. That's why the apostle said, prophesy to the level of your faith. Prophesy according to your faith. Can we believe? We prophesy to Alberta. We prophesy to the city of Edmonton, to Parkland region. We say, let there be light. We say, let the darkness and principalities and powers that are behind the darkness be immobilized by the lightnings of God today the word of God inside of you what is the word of God inside of you every knee will bow every knee will bow we prophesy new life new life Lord we say let light awaken our neighbors Uh, God we pray for the lost all around us on every side. We say, let new life come to our neighborhoods. 
this, this is what the body of Christ is called to be. We are called to be voices of the prophetic, voices of the will of God on earth. You know, I'd love to continue. We're an hour into our service now, and we're going to shift. But listen to me. This is so important. I remember as a young Christian, I, I remember going in a prayer line because I was discouraged because the circumstances of my life were, were hard and difficult. And I was, God had me in a, in a time of a, uh, a desert. He was sifting me. And I remember going in the prayer line, and I remember the prophet coming down, and he was prophesying over different ones. And as soon as he laid his hand on my head, and as soon as he began to speak, oh, all the refreshing, all the revitalization, suddenly what was distant became close. What was, what, was, what was vague became specific. It became real to me. Oh, yes, God is still here. God is still close. God still loves me. But as soon as he stopped talking, it, it began to fade. And I was left with this residual burning, but... But it was not like when I, I, I wanted him to come back. Come back and speak over me again. <laughs> come, in, come back and put your hand on my head again because I want to live under the shadow of your faith. But God has another plan. He said, no, Mark. And I didn't understand it at the time, but years in the future, when I look back, is this what he was saying? He said, Mark, I didn't want you to live in the wake of his faith. I want you to do what he did for others. Maybe you can't do it right now on the scale that he does, but every single believer is called to be a way maker. Every single believer is called to be a voice so that when you speak to others, the light of Christ gets brighter in their mind and in their heart as you share. But here's the thing. It's so much more invigorating when others are doing it to you than when you are doing it to others. It's, it's so, much, so much more real when it's happening to you. Because when you're on the other side of the equation, it's just going out and it feels different. It's some, at first, it's not as satisfying, you know. But, but many of us are in that, in that transition where God is trying to make it more satisfying for you to be the voice than to hear the voice. For you to be the voice instead of expecting everybody else to be the ones that are always sustaining you. We are in the midst of a transition because not only because this is your destiny, but because God is looking at Spruce Grove with a destiny. And I want to prophesy something to you about the destiny of this place in Canada. This morning, somebody sent me a video from a meeting in, in Florida. And I won't say who the people were, but they got up and they had this apostolic prophetic moment. And they began to speak about the destiny of Canada. They began to speak about the hand of God going into the earth in Canada. And as, I, as soon as I began to watch that, I felt the governmental movement of angelic beings in that room. And I remember I thought to myself, this is what the church is supposed to be. We, we've made church an entertainment system for ourselves. We've made it uh, a moment of emotional rejuvenation for our, for our sluggish spiritual lives. And it's, if it has to be that for you, then it, let it be that for you. But there is something higher. There is something better. And when the saints 
the apostolic leaders, the prophets of old, when they spoke, heaven moved on earth. When they spoke, when they prayed, when they waited on God, God sent messengers to begin to speak to the destiny of nations. But what, what, what is it that turns the wheels of the kingdom? It is faith beginning on earth. We keep saying, oh God, when are you going to bring revival? God is saying, when are you going to start revival? You are the wheels of eternal justice on earth. Your faith begins to unlock the doors of heaven on earth. I'm looking for a people. Oh, God is looking for a people who believe. Father, we pray. Let your kingdom come. Let your kingdom come. Now, man, I, I could say so much about this, but I'll, I'll try and conclude with this. Because my heart is so stirred for what fa the Father wants this place to be. This is... This place, is, there's prophetic words about this being a governmental epicenter for spiritual uh, the kingdom in Alberta. 150 miles in every direction, Bob Jones prophesied about this place. And God is eager for it to be accomplished. But you know, there's, there's always two types of people. Whenever we get into the mystical, whenever we touch things that don't seem to have immediate relevance to our present need, you know... And I won't go into our needs, but whenever I get two types of response, and it's not unusual because it's the same thing that happens biblically. Two types of response. Two, two people ask questions, and they're the same question. Mark, what are we doing? And the first one is, is, a, is a question of unbelief. It's like, what is the validity of this? It's not asking for information. It's not asking for enlightenment. It's questioning the validity of what's happening. And the other one says, Mark, what are we doing? In other words, I want to understand. I know it's valid. What is, the, what is really going on? How does this work? And we see that in the scripture because when the angel was released to share with the father of John the Baptist about what was happening and he gave the word. And John, you know what happened? You remember what happened? He, Zacharias, he said, how can these things be? He wasn't saying, show me the, how this is going to work. He's saying, no, this can't happen. I don't believe it. This is foolishness. This has no validity. But when the angel came to Mary, the mother of Jesus, and said, you will have a child, she said the same question. How can this be? But it wasn't out of a spirit of unbelief. It wasn't out of skepticism. It wasn't questioning the validity of the word. It was seeking, how are you going to do this? There's nothing wrong with asking the question, how will this be? But you can ask it from a doubting place. You can, you can ask it from a mocking place. You can ask it from a place where you're not sure if anything other than I see, feel, or touch is valid. And you can sit back in moments like this and say, oh, here we go. Here's the prophetic people. There go the intercessors again into spook, spook land. But God is saying, no, this, this is the foundation of the kingdom of God. When the supernatural touches the natural, the gate of heaven is not in heaven. It's on earth. Father, we pray. We 
want to be the gate of heaven on earth. Lord, we want to be individually and corporately your habitation. So come. Teach us, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Lord. So, Father, we give ourselves to you today. We say, Lord, whatever we don't understand, we say today we will not doubt, but we will ask questions in faith. Can you vow to the Lord right now to do that? Pull your attention in. God is looking at you, and he's passing by something that you can have. Right now, you can have it. He's passing by. It's like the dessert cart in a restaurant. It's passing by. Do you want it or don't you? Wave, say something, stop the servant. God, I want this. God, give me wisdom, I pray. Give us wisdom. Give us understanding, we pray. We pray, God, that you would open our eyes. You know, we're uncomfortable with not understanding. We're uncomfortable with not knowing everything about everything. We're intimidated by that because we don't know what our standing is, what our place is. And so we want to we wanna tie things off. We want to create closure to the kind of information we have. And God is saying, listen... <laughs> There is so much to understand. You couldn't possibly come to it in the framework of your life. So push harder. Keep going. Keep going. Push harder. There's more to understand. Father, let's just just pray. Just ask him right now. God, I, I, I want to understand. I want to see. I want to experience you. I want to know, Lord, just how tangible the invisible realm truly is. Father, open our eyes. Open our eyes. We ask God for wisdom. We ask for understanding. Glory to God. Glory to God. Just keep leaning in. I want to throw out some things as we're going along. I hear the whispers of certain prophetic scriptures one of them is this it says we are his workmanship we are his workmanship the other one I hear this morning is this passage from revelations where we are being promised I don't remember the exact words but those who overcome I will make a pillar in the house of my God my father Lord we don't even know what this means we don't even understand. We, we think everything is metaphors. We think everything is only illustrations for intangible truths. God, I pray. I pray, Lord, where there is real mystery behind the words, God, may we not diminish. May we not diminish the significance of these words. There's all these words about God building, building, building. Building us. He said, you, you are my workmanship. 
I'm working on you. You are the object. You are the one that I am polishing. You are the one that I am carving. You are the one. Like, you know, we know this. He is the potter and we are the clay, right? We have two opportunities this morning. We can go to something superficial or we can touch something profound in the heart of God today. But you know what? When God starts to speak something, if you inside of your mind, if you inside, you start rolling your eyes. You know, because it's foolishness to you. Do you know what? The Holy Spirit will step back. And I'm telling you, there are mysteries that God wants to unfold to his people. But he will not be mocked when he is beginning to share the things that are dear to his heart, the things that are are special to him, and he feels that mocking Sanballat spirit, you know, rising up from the sentiments of his people. He will back off. Come on, you know what I'm talking about? I've had it happen twice this week with my wife where I'm, she's trying to tell me something and I'm not really listening. This is the tale of our lives. God the Father wants to show us profound things, but we're not really listening. We're distracted by childish things. We're distracted by things that are in our own domain. And God is saying, is there somebody who will apply themselves to, to, to laying hold of my garments and pulling on me for my secrets. Is there someone? Is there a generation? Is there a church? Is there somebody who wants to press past the superficiality of their faith and the self-serving nature of the gifts and the anointings and the things that you need and want to make your life comfortable? Is there anybody looking past the veil of the natural into eternity? Is there anybody pulling on the cords of forever? God, I can see it. I can see it. I can see it. I can see it. Your faith is opening up a revelatory avenue. Oh. (laughs) There's a scripture where it talks about Abraham. And it says he sought for his city. But he wasn't seeking for a city. He wasn't looking for a home for himself. He wasn't looking for a bigger building. He wasn't looking for something to exalt his name. It's, It's defined him as a man of faith. It defined him as a man of faith because he was doing this one thing. He was looking for a city. But it wasn't a natural city. It wasn't a concrete city. It wasn't a wooden city. It wasn't a structure on the earth. He was looking for a city whose builder and maker is God. And you might, you might have heard that. You might know that. You think, well, yeah, but you know, I, that's just, he's just describing to this faith. He was looking at heaven. No. I need a little more volume. He wasn't just looking at heaven. He wasn't looking at heaven. He was looking for eternal purpose. He saw a city in his spirit coming down from heaven. And we hear, we read about in Revelations, the city of the New Jerusalem. Do you know how big the New Jerusalem is? It's 2,200 kilometers by 2,200 kilometers by 2,200 kilometers. 
Well, Abraham, what are you doing? You're living as a nomad. You, you, you know, you're this man of faith. What is it that makes you this man of faith? Is he wasn't concerned about the natural world and the unfolding of events in terms of how it changed his life. He was fixed on an eternal hope. <sighs> now, you might say, yeah, but he was also wealthy. That's why he was wealthy. That's why he was wealthy, because that's what the kingdom of God says. It says, listen, seek you first the kingdom, and all these other things will be added to you. I'm looking for a man or a woman who will set their heart on the things that my heart are set on. And when I find that person, I'll give you that and everything else. That's what happened to Solomon. He could have asked for long life. He could have asked for gold. He could have asked for wealth. He could have asked for his armies to be, his enemies to be defeated before him. But instead he asked for wisdom. And God said, ah, I'll give you understanding like nobody else has ever had. But behind that will come all the things you never asked for. All the natural things. That's why Jesus said, seek ye first the kingdom of God. And all these things will be added unto you. He said, listen, these things that you are spending your life being anxious about. He's talking to believers and unbelievers alike. He said, you spend all your days in fear and anxiety. How will I eat? How will I sleep? How will I pay off my house? Am I, are we going to get COVID and die? Are we going to get sick? Are we going to lose everything? He said, all these things the Gentiles seek after. What's his point? He said, listen, lift your eyes higher. I'm trying to align you with, I want to do something on earth. I want to do something on earth. And I'm looking for people who are connecting with my desire. Oh, God. Oh, God. Oh, God, we pray. God, help us. We keep our... Our, 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 sight, our line of sight keeps coming down to the earth, keeps coming down to natural things, God. So I'm going to read a passage from 2 Corinthians. And I want you to think about this for a second. We've always had 2 Corinthians since the day I was born. We had 2 Corinthians before you were born. Your father's. Your parents, the generation before that, you had 2 Corinthians. You know who didn't have 2 Corinthians? The first apostles? I mean, it was written later. It's written, written a few years after Jesus died. And so that means that there was something that was shown Paul that nobody else understood. And you have to remember, Paul didn't walk around with Jesus. He didn't hear the gospel. He didn't hear the multitudes of things that Jesus said to the, the 12 disciples and to the, so the crowds when they were around. He didn't hear all of those things. He didn't hear them. And so God literally took him to heaven. God took him to heaven and showed him things. He said, some of the things I have no permission to share with you. I'm saying that for two reasons. One is, what is possible for us? Like, well, if God wants to show me something, he will. No, that's not how it works. He says, hunger and thirst for righteousness, then you will be filled. You determine the revelation you walk in. You determine the amount of insight you get. 
by desire. Well, here's the thing, though. As he's talking here in 2 Corinthians, there's some amazing things that he articulates. And I'm thinking, if we only had the Gospels and we didn't have this explanation, and none of us here were taken up to heaven to see this, we would be completely ignorant in regards to some of these things. And what he's talking about, he's making tactile, very ethereal things. He's, he's putting cause and effect Source, destination, purpose to generalities in our life. Well, what are you supposed to do? I'm a Christian now. What does that mean? Well, try not to sin and go to church and tithe. Well, what else does it mean? Well, you know, we're, sometimes I raise my hands. Sometimes I try to not play games on my phone when I'm in church. Oh, that's, that's a great level of Christianity you got there. <laughs> Listen to what he says. Because I wanted to evoke a desire inside of you. Maybe there's more structure to this than I've ever imagined possible. Maybe it's real. Maybe the, the things that are happening in my life are not just random. Maybe there's concrete steps. Now, I'm going to try and answer another question as well, because sometimes recently, I, I don't know, but last year, the year before, I never got around to it, but somebody was asking a question, because I've been teaching about, about the, the dynamic of, of advancing the kingdom of God in a non-ethereal way. In other words, I'm, I've been talking about building. Well, what is this building thing? What are we building? When you talk about building... What does that mean? Like, you know, because we don't see. We don't have, it's not like a house. When you go to somebody building a house, you can go to the property. You can see the hole in the ground. You can go to the property. You say, oh, I I see. You're actually doing something. We talk about building here, and it's like, yeah, what does that mean? It's vague to us. I'm not really even sure where I am in God's building process. What if you could know exactly? What if somebody else other than you knows exactly where you're at? What if somebody else knows exactly what you need next? Would you even be able to submit to that? No, because it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's sort of general. And God wants us to do our own thing and just kind of connect with others occasionally. Listen to what he says here. I'm going to start reading. He says, therefore, in, oh, I should tell you where it is, because I'm sure you all have Bibles. Second Corinthians Chapter 4. Now, my temptation is to go right back to the middle of chapter 3 and start reading because it's so good. But I'm, I'm, I'm holding back. Verse 16. Therefore, we do not lose heart. Even though our outward man is perishing, yet the inward man is being renewed day by day. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, is working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. While we do not look at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. 
You know, we look at a scripture like this and we think, well, that's a, that's a really nice passage. It's very poetic. It has some nice symmetry to it, you know, and it's a, it's a great, yeah, yeah, because yeah, we're, we're living with eternity in our hearts. We're, you know, we're, we're, we know that after we die, we're going to go to heaven. He's saying, no, 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 it's much more specific than that. It's much more applicable. It's much more now. Heaven is not just, oh yeah, when, they, when we die, we're going to go to a place. And according to the Philadelphia Cree, Cheese Company, there's a lot of clouds and musical instruments and, of course, cheese. But that's, and we, we laugh at that because it's, it's kind of entertaining. But that's about as specific as we think. And so a lot of us think, well, you know, what are we going to do there? What are we going to do there? Let me tell you, the enterprise of the kingdom of God is continuously expanding. And we see that, you know, in the natural, we hear that they they call it the Big Bang Theory. It's when God spoke and the worlds were created. The universe was created. The firmament was created. And it's been expanding ever since. That's a picture of the kingdom of heaven. And there's there's an expanding dominion. And expanding, we think, well, what does that look like? Listen, it's very, very specific. Who knows what God is going to create, but there are dominions and realms that will expand forever and ever. And God is looking for people to walk with him for eternity. You didn't get saved just so that you could say, hey, baby, I'm in. I'm not going to hell. Man, that's a great start. But that's not why you got saved. You got saved to be part of a very specific order of beings which would live forever. To take your place amongst the eternals. Let's use some sci-fi language. To take your place amongst the order of the sons of God. To rule and reign in his stead. Well, ruling and reigning, what does that mean? And again, we have these vague ideas. What if you could understand specifically what that would look like? Instead of clouds and vapors and ethereal nothingness, what if you could know? What if you could feel? What if, what if the spirit could become tangible? See, this is the problem. And this is where in 1 Corinthians he was starting. He says, listen, I'd like to talk to you about more specific kingdom things. But, but the foolish man cannot comprehend. I mean, the, the natural man cannot co- comprehend the things of the spirit because they're spiritually discerned. They're actually real. They're concrete. They really matter. When we come into a place like that, when we, when we worship, there are very specific books being opened. There are things happening. This morning I saw us coming in and you weren't here when I was here, but I watched the people come in and I saw our musicians come in and I saw Michael coming in. Michael made about five trips to some storage room on the other side to get all the dance stuff. And you know, this is the setup and this is the natural just for this ceremony. This is just for the service this morning. There's all kinds of setup. We got the TV stuff going on, the sound, and the sound checks, and people are tuning up their instruments, and we're gearing up, and then we're starting the service. Behind all of this, in the invisible realm, there are angelic beings, there are spiritual scribes, there are books.
There is spirit, there is legislation, there is an order of government, and God is waiting for somebody to stop seeing this and begin to see that so that that can begin to engage. The kingdom of God. Have you ever wondered, what is the kingdom of God? Like, what is, what is that? Even the word is mysterious. What is the kingdom of God? It's as specific, it's as real as every policy that we have that makes the Alberta legislature work. Orders and rules, permissions, permissions to be in this room and not that one. Who actually decides? Who carries the gavel? Who says meeting adjourned? Who says when we start? Is there anything actually happening? You know, when it's all confusing and it's vague, you know, I don't even know what they do there in Ottawa. We say, right? Because we don't understand the wheels of justice. And it's probably, it's being done poorly. There's no doubt about that. We don't understand the wheels of government, but we do know that something actually is happening. Like, you know, when money comes from the hands of the government to the people, there's a very specific system that unlocks that money. There are very specific rules on how that money is released. Do you think that the dominion and the structure of the kingdom of heaven is any less specific? Have you read the Bible? Have you seen how demanding, how exacting God was when he said, build the temple, build it this way, build it according to the pattern, and do not deviate even the slightest? But, you know, we have this idea, well, God's, he's just merciful, and if we do it wrong, if we miss by an inch, if we miss by a mile, he'll just overlook it and use what we give him anyway. Yes, he is merciful. He will overlook and he will forgive. But what he's longing for is people who want to come into the exacting understanding of his wisdom. Who understand precisely what releases wealth on the earth. What releases the, the angelic gate to open and the armies of heaven to begin to flood into Parkland County. What is it that causes the, uh, the emancipation of souls in the region? Well, we pray vaguely for the idea of revival, but we have no idea what actually unlocks it on the earth. And God is saying, there's always something specific that unlocks heaven on earth. It's not accidental. It's, it's not because God is in heaven rolling the proverbial dice. He's not spinning a wheel to see what he's going to do today. Everything is predicated upon what's given him. And he's, he's saying, come on, come on, come on, Spruce Cove, come up higher. Come up higher. I'm building something. And this is what he says. While we do not look at the things which are seen, but the things which are not seen. Are we really? How tangible are the not seen things? Can you, can you see the not seen or are your, your eyes, when, how does that go? Is, you can't see the forest for the trees? Can we see? Do we know that the outcome of elections, the outcome of crime, the outcome of hatred, the outcome of human emotions, all those things are being orchestrated and men and women are like puppets and principalities and powers are behind the scene pulling the strings. And God is saying, I want to have a people who can pull the strings for the sake of righteousness. I want to have people that know where the levers of justice really are. I want to have a people who know how to engage and release a higher dimension.
but I can't get anybody to believe. I can't get anybody to think this is more than Philadelphia cheese and vapors. Can you believe? He goes on. He says, for we know that if our earthly tent, earthly house, this tent is destroyed, we have a building from God not made with hands eternal in the heaven. For in this we groan. I've preached on this before. I just got to touch on it. We groan. For in this we groan, earnestly desire to be clothed with our habitation, which is from heaven. You see, when you got saved, God anchored you, tethered you to a point distant, not only distant in space, but distant in time, distant in dimension. He's saying, listen, from now on, your purposes are not meant to be measured by the accumulation of wealth or the activity that you're doing on earth, the menial life functions that you do. They're calibrated based on an entirely different paradigm. Do you understand this? We all said, yes, Lord. (laughs) Something, there is a building happening on the level of your life right now. God is adding materials to your life. And he's adding it according to your faith and according to what you do with your faith. (laughs) He says, you are the temple of the Holy Spirit. You are the temple of the Holy Spirit. This building that he's doing is not mystical or mythical in that sense. That it's not real. It is absolutely, completely real. But he says, not only that, he says, I'm doing this, but there's a cooperative element to this that you groan inside of you for the invisible things. And so we've talked about this. We've talked about Romans 8. We've talked about that inside each believer because, and again, this is the picture. When you put a seed in the earth, that seed is going in a direction. It wants to germinate and the DNA in it wants to bring it to full maturity. It has an inclination. It has a built-in desire. And Paul is saying here is that when you got born again, this didn't give you a ticket to enter heaven. You got a seed, and inside of that seed is an end, and the end is in the destination. It is you being changed into the image of his son. And inside of you, that, there is a desire in there. So I asked you this simple question, and I'm going to move on. Do you feel that desire? And do you know how to, how to amplify and release the sound of that desire? You see, when we're here and we're lifting our hands and we're worshiping, hopefully it's not out of duty. Hopefully it's not because, well, I guess this is the time. That we live. I'm looking around the room. Quite a few people lift their hands. I guess it's it's the time to do this. I remember, you know, that's how we think of routines. I remember going to a church when you're young. I won't say which one it was. And there's certain times when you 
kneel down, and then you stand up and say, oh, what are we doing? Okay, we're standing up now. Okay, oh, we're singing what song? We're repeating what words? What words are we saying now? Those are the words. And it was all this orchestrated from a human standpoint. There is a real world just beyond our eyes. And the groan for completeness, the groan inside of you, that God is putting a desire inside of you that's trying to come to fullness. And I'm not even sure I have a desire. I'm not even sure I have a groan. I don't know what a groan feels like. And you go to a seminar and somebody says, okay, we're going to do groaning prayer today. You think, oh, good grief. What am I saying? Don't, don't believe for a second that this is mythical. Don't believe for a second this belongs to a handful of intercessors or kind of weird anyway. Don't believe that you are excluded from this. When he's talking in this language, it's inclusive of every single believer on the face of the earth. All of us. Because there's a destiny. He wants people who understand the kingdom. Imagine going into the legislature. Imagine going into the courtroom and you've received a law degree, but you never went to school. And you go in there. Okay, here we are. We're here. What do we do? If you don't know what to do, you're useless. What if the positions and roles that God gives us in in eternity are somehow connected to what we learn on earth? Oh, what a novel idea that would be. I'll finish with this because my time is up. But he, he, he continues on. He says, we groan, earnestly desiring to be clothed with our habitation, which is from heaven. If indeed, having been clothed, we shall not be found naked. For we who are in this tent groan, being burdened, because we want to be unclothed, not, not because we want to be unclothed, but further clothed, that mortality may be swallowed up in life. Now he who has prepared us for this very thing is God, who also has given us his spirit as a guarantee. So we are always confident, knowing that while we are at home in the body, we are absent from the Lord. For we walk by faith and not by sight, We are confident, yes, well pleased rather to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. Everybody said, speak for yourself, Paul. Let me ask you this. Is your faith strong enough that you are just as happy to cross over that barrier today or do you dread death? Do you fear death? Or is is that... is, is the reality of eternity so great, you, you're ready to go today? Really ready. So he finishes by this. I'll read these last couple of verses, and then I'll try and wrap it up, but there's so much more. Therefore we make it our aim, whether present or absent, to be well-pleasing to him. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ that each one may receive the things 
done in the body according to what has been done, whether good or bad. Let me pause there quickly. I, I got to pause there. Right here, he says, we're, gonna be, we're all going to go before the judgment seat and we're going to be evaluated. Hello. You're going to be evaluated. So if you resent your pastor evaluating you, if you resent your pastor saying there's a higher bar, if you resent people pointing at the, you know, your lack of faithfulness, loyalty, Christianity, faith, and the rest of that, get used to it. Because accountability is fundamental to the kingdom. We are all going to stand before the judgment seat of Christ and no stone in our life will be unturned. And we'll see everything for what it is. And he says here, we're going to see good and bad, good and bad, good and bad. But if you go back to 1 Corinthians chapter 3, he divides it a different way. He said we're going to be judged and what's going to be determined is which of our works are wood, hay, and stubble and which of our works are silver and gold and precious, you know, made of precious materials that endure forever. Let me, let, me, let me say this. Everything we do produces something. Everything you say to your wife, to your children, to your friends produces something. And at the end... In that moment, it will be evaluated, not discreetly, not in secret so you have no embarrassment, but before the whole of heaven. Maybe it's time to put that sense of embarrassment and shame to death right today. Everything is going to be evaluated, but not only that, it's going to be specifically assigned a category of value. This is good for this, this is good for this, this is good for this. Why is he saying these things? I mean, Jesus didn't say any of this. This is not in the Gospels. Right? He's saying it because he's training a generation to walk with him. Training a generation to, to be a part of eternity. This is real. What if I could know... Which things have done that are wood, hay, and stubble? Worthless. Would I want to know? This is what God is saying. Ask of me for wisdom. Ask me for understanding. If you really want to know. But ask in faith. Don't be asking, what are we doing to dismiss the validity of all this, it's very specific. God is very exacting. And what he says is valuable will be specifically valuable and there will be no arguments and there will be no, well, you know, I think you're marking me a little harshly, Lord. I should get a B plus on that. You gave me an F. Because my heart was right. We leave it vague because we like it vague. Because if, we, if it is vague, then we're not accountable to know anything. Imagine doing your job that way. I'm a lawyer. I don't really know what I'm doing, but I think it doesn't really matter. I don't know if I'm in the right room. I don't know if I'm citing the right rules. Does it matter? Absolutely it matters. Do you think kingdom of heaven matters? More so. More so. 
And that's the point. God is saying, I'm not leaving you orphans. I'm not leaving you uninformed. I just need you to desire to enter into this with a fuller understanding, and then I'll give it to you. What is possible? So, Father, I pray today, I'm going to conclude there. We are coming to a time when strategies of the kingdom of heaven are going to be initiated in the earth, and the people who are most informed will become most useful. So say, God, I want to be aware. When somebody says an atmosphere shift and I never felt it, I want to feel it. I want to know. I'm not going to chalk it up to, well, that's one of those unnecessary, emotional, googly gook spiritual things that is really has no relevance to real life. You can live in that vagueness of you if you want, or you can come into understanding by humbling yourself and saying, Lord, I don't know, but it's real. It's more real than I know. I want to know. I want to understand. I don't want to be guessing at these things. These are the things I'm saying to the Lord. I don't want to guess. There are some things I see clearly and some things that are vague to me. I don't want to guess. I want to know. I want to know. I want to raise the dead. And I want to know when I step into a hospital, am I just shooting shotguns in, in the hopes of hitting something? Or do I know who to go to, what room to go to, what prayer to play, pray, what prayer not to pray? When I'm speaking the word of the Lord, am I guessing, am I hoping, is this a fuzzy feeling? Or do I have an explicit leading from the Son of God that says such and such and such and such? I'm leaving the world of vagueness. I'm leaving the world of covering up my ignorance through a hopefulness that nobody's looking and nobody cares. I want to be a part of this. This is what we're saying today. I want to be a part of your kingdom, God. I want to be a part of your kingdom. I want to know what pleases you. I want to know how to function when you're in the room. This is what's being offered us when we talk about the kingdom. It's a real system with real plateaus, with real policies, with real authority, with real angelic angels, classes of beings we have no imagination to fully envision. And it all matters. And it's an honor. That God would look at us and say, hey, do you want to be a part of this? Do you want to be a part of this? Thank you, God. Oh. There's a a song we sang earlier. It's one of my favorite songs of the world because it's it's based on Isaiah 66. And the words are here. They're saying, heaven is my throne and earth is my footstool. Where is the house you will build for me? And the whole, the whole revelation is, is the church is busy building mock-ups of a, of a city made without hands. And he, God is saying, who will hear the cry of my heart? Heaven is my throne earth is my footstool. You can't build anything in your, through your imagination, through your best efforts that I have any use of. But if you align with me, you can, you can be a part 
of seeing this kingdom established. So we're going to sing that. Let's stand together. We're going to sing that and ask God this morning, God, give me a heart to understand this. Give me a heart that says, you know, and here's the words, who will hear the cry of my heart? Listen to me for a second. Do you, do you have a cry in your heart? Do you wish people could see you? Do you wish, is there a desire inside of you you wish could be met? The Father has a desire for a certain kind of believer, for a certain caliber of Christian to walk with him. And he's saying, I'm, I'm, my eyes are looking, I'm to and fro, I'm searching, I'm scouring the nations, looking for the one who really wants this, who will understand the value of what it is I'm offering. But Father, we want to thank you that you are preparing a people. And Lord, we, uh, we say, God, don't give up on me. Sometimes I feel so stubborn, so reluctant. I'm saying, God, I want to pull on your mercy. Change the way I think. God, give me a new heart. God, forgive my iniquity. Forgive my sin. Forgive my lack of desire. Change me, I pray. So have a great rest of the weekend. Bless one another as you go. Feel free to linger if you like.